Docelva is is all about product quality and food safety. But through a partnership with us, uh, you have the opportunity to, uh, to to raise the incomes of farmers and to to help create a healthy planet. Hey there, everybody. Thank you so very much once again for stopping by TLC Presents Toddversations. We're really excited about today's show. We've got a great guest. We've got a great topic. We've got some great issues to talk about. Give it up for my friend down in Nicaragua today, hanging out with us, the CEO and co-founder of DeSelva, Jefferson Shriver. Welcome, my brother. Welcome to the show. Appreciate you being here. Thanks. Thanks, Todd. Hey, by the way, it's my birthday today, so I hope you're going to treat me well, all right? It's, uh, well, had I had known... We would have done, I had I have known, but I do not know. So yes, I, I will promise to treat you. Um, yeah, I'll treat you all right. I, we'll see. You know, we'll see how it goes. You know, we'll see how it goes. But I promise I'll treat you I right. Wanted, and happy birthday. And happy thank birthday. You. Thank you. I wanted to surprise you with that one. Well, it certainly is. I would have bought you something. I probably wouldn't have. But nonetheless, a little tough to get it down to Nicaragua. But I appreciate you taking time out of this special day to hang out with us and share your story. Because I am, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. I'm a big fan of companies that are making a big difference, um, not only with the products, but really in the lives of the people that provide the products. And you are a classic example of what I call, and, and you lean into it as well, of being a social entrepreneur. And I think you just have a great story and I'm excited to share it. So if you're ready to rock and roll, we got a lot of questions to talk about. I'm kind of deep into this. I got my curiosity meter all over the board. So I want to, I want to get deep into the weeds and find out more about what you're doing, what you're doing in the rainforest, why you're doing it, who you are and everything else. So if you're ready to go, let's do it, man. Yeah, no, thanks, Todd. Thanks for the opportunity today. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Cool. So share your background a little bit, man. You, you're, a Cal, you're a native Californian that bailed down to Nicaragua like 20 years ago. And here we are hanging out. You're living, you're like in the oldest city. In the country, correct? That's right, right here in Nicaragua, in, in Granada, Nicaragua. Yeah, it's that uh, we're going to have our five, 500th year anniversary here in, in Granada as a, as a city. So it's uh, one of the oldest colonial cities in, in Nicaragua. Uh, I've been in Nicaragua, yeah, going on 22 years now. Uh, I've, I've worked with uh, three different uh, nonprofits previous to that. I've been based in Nicaragua, but I've also traveled uh, in, in different parts of the world. I've, I've worked a lot with, uh, with smallholder farmers in, in Africa and other parts of Latin America and the Andes as well. Mm -hmm. Nicaragua has really been the kind of the bedrock for me. It's, it's, it's home. It's home after you know, spending uh, more than half of my life here. So, uh, so yeah. I love it. That's cool. So what led you down there in the first place? Yeah, well, uh, what, what first led me down here uh, was when I was a college student, I went to Whitworth University. And as a 19-year-old, as a I was basically trying to uh, escape the Washington state uh, winters uh, and coming down here where I knew that there was about 365 days of, of, of sun and 80, 80 to 90 degree temperatures. Uh, and I, I was really just wanting to, uh, to get to know a different, a different landscape, you know, a different culture and coming mm -hmm. down here. Um, so pretty, pretty much hedonistic reasons to begin with, I'll tell you. All right. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing uh, wrong. So, so, you, you, so what's keeping you there now, obviously? I mean, you're keeping it there because you built a really cool company. But, you know, now, you, you, I mean, you're, are you, you're still an American citizen, but you're, are you just, I mean, you have no intentions of coming back at this point. This, that's home for now. Right. I mean, I, I get back to the U.S., uh, you know, a number of times during the year. My, my family's still in California. Uh, but what keeps me here is really small, small farmer agriculture. Uh, it's it, to me, it's, it, yeah, I, I'm hooked. I, uh, it's, it's something that I, I really believe that, uh, you know, it, given that the fact that, uh, agriculture is such a huge part of the economy and the, in the society here in Nicaragua. And it's also where there's the most poverty and arguably where the, there's the most environmental destruction. So I really believe that, that smallholder farming can really be a, uh, a pathway to prosperity uh, mm -hmm. for, for the rural sector. It can also contribute to a healthy planet. And so that's what my life's work has been about for the past 20 years and probably will be for the next 2025. That's fantastic. Hence the reason why I wanted to talk to you because you're saying, you know, you're saying all the right things that we need to be saying about driving positive costs into food and recognizing the, the, the value that food plays in such a global world and what it can do to change things. You know, I, I, I opened up by calling you a social entrepreneur, and I really do believe that you truly are, are that. But you need that entrepreneurial spirit, obviously, to go down and do what you did to launch this company. 
So how'd you get started? Right. So as I mentioned, I've, I've, I have spent a, a large portion of my career in the nonprofit sector. Uh, but I, and, and, and there's just been the, the nonprofit sector makes amazing contributions. But I do believe that their scope is, is limited in, in, la, in, in being able to create lasting change. They're, they're temporary actors. They're not permanent actors in, in an economy. And I really believe in the power of the private sector uh, for social impact. And so um, I really felt like after being in the nonprofit sector, I could actually have more uh, impact in the for-profit sector with a mission-driven business, starting my own business. Uh, to scale to scale a new uh, new model in a way that I, I couldn't really in the nonprofit space. Um, so we I with a colleague uh, that I and a friend I, I've known for for over ten years, we we formed a business here in Nicaragua in, in 2017. Um, we we later constituted the business uh, as a public benefit corporation in the U.S. Uh, and right. we started we, we we I have a farm here as well, and so we started by growing uh, vanilla and turmeric on the farm itself. And then started to have, that was back in 2015. And then we started having conversations with farmers uh, and with potential buyers about the, the their uptake, you know, their, their potential buy-in to the model as a concept and, and started to get tremendous uptake. I think there was really tremendous interest. And so in 2018, we, we started uh, with hundred farmers uh, growing turmeric and vanilla uh, and did our first exports in 2019. Unbelievable. And so, you know, you're, you're a, I want to talk a little bit about a public benefit corporation because I don't necessarily know if people know what that is, but there's a lot of them. I mean, uh, there are some big companies that are that way. Patagonia is that way. Kickstarter is that way. Uh, I think Plum Baby Foods and other ones that way. Um, can you share a little bit about what a, a public benefit corporation is? Right. I mean, what 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 a what a what a public benefit corporation or a PBC uh, is, and it, it makes it different from a, t- a traditional C corp is that there, it requ- there's a requirement in your statutes to report to your stakeholders on social impact. So uh, it really gets to our commitment to a triple bottom line as a business, uh, looking at uh, the, the social, the economic, and the environmental uh, bottom lines is giving them all equal weight, that that really work goes into the statutes of our, of our business and, and, and is a requirement. So it's not just, we're not just paying lip service to, to a mission-driven uh, enterprise, it's really part of our, of our constitution and who we are in our DNA. Right. I love it. I think it's fantastic. I love to give back. You know, that's why I just, again, that's why I'm stoked to have this conversation with you because it just, it checks so many boxes. You talk a little bit about being mission driven, kind of what that means, the goals of being mission driven, et cetera, because I think that's really powerful. Yeah. I mean, we're really, you know, first and foremost, we have to be a, uh, a profitable company to, in order to, 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 to survive, to thrive and survive, but, but, but we're giving equal weight to raising the incomes of smallholder farmers. Uh, and we're working with those smallholder farmers to analyze their production costs, to analyze their margins. I mean, if this isn't working for the smallholder farmer, it's, it's not gonna work for anybody. We, we might as well just, uh, just go home. And so uh, that's, that's a big aspect of our social impact and our focus. Um, and you know, we're, we're working with coffee farmers and helping them to diversify into spices. And so what we're, what we're trying to do on the social side is to, just to generate with those farmers multiple income streams and hopefully higher, uh, you know, higher, higher revenue income streams uh, in addition to their coffee. They're not getting out of coffee 100% at all. That's not what we're trying to do, but we're really trying to diversify those income streams. So that, that's what we're we're doing on the social side, improving the, 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 the incomes of smallholder farmers and actually measuring those incomes with the farmers and out to our stakeholders. Uh, right. On the environmental side, um, we're unapologetically organic uh, we're, uh, and, we're, and we're very much focused on agroforestry. Uh, so that's part of a, a regenerative agriculture focus. And so most of the crops that we prioritize are shade tolerant. Uh, and, right. and so that uh, this is what we're really trying to, to achieve on the environmental side are forested landscapes, the incorporation of trees into uh, a, an agriculture landscape, forested landscapes, and of course, with, with organics, a chemical free landscape. And so right. with, with every hectare of production uh, that's in our supply chain, we're looking to enhance uh, the landscape with agroforestry, with forested uh, chemical free agriculture. So. Those are, those are our bottom lines that we really see as uh, that we're giving equal weight uh, to the, the profitability of the company. I think it's great because you're solving problems, right? You're using your business, your people are voting with their dollars and you're using your business to solve problems and you're solving 
legitimate third world problems that need to be addressed. And you said it eloquently in the beginning that agriculture, as much as it benefits us, is also something that can be dangerous as well. And, you know, and, and you're in a country that, that shockingly, I think a lot of people are surprised to realize that the people who are growing the food are living in a poverty situation. So to be able to uplift families and, and to note, and I don't think we said it yet, but you're, you're, you're literally working with 500 farmers now down there and families and really just family. I mean, these are, these are families that are just have their plot that you're working with, that you're growing, you're expanding, et cetera, which I think is extremely powerful. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at uh, just the, the, shoot, the, the, the numbers of people that we're impacting through our supply chain, that really gets into the 2,500, 3,000 uh, person range because you know, you're looking, looking at anywhere from four to six uh, family member or uh, members per family. Sure. And so, yeah, so that's what we're focusing on uh, right now. I, we really are with the model, we plan to scale it and, and into the future uh, to be directly working with thousands of farmers as part of our supply chain. I think that's so cool. So, you know, from a social standpoint and from an you know, environmental standpoint and looking at what you've done and seeing what you've done and why you have done it, um, what, what are these issues that really affect you the most or keep you up at night or really make you the most concerned? Or, or, and I don't want to pri- I don't, I don't prioritize it because I think they're all, they all are equal probably in priority, but I mean, there's got to be one that just, you know, it's like that you're jumping on the most right now. What is that issue? This episode of Todd Versations is brought to you by Viva Tierra. Viva Tierra, organic to the core. Connect with us at vivatierra.com. Well, if you'll allow me to have two. uh, Have three, have seven, (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Okay, so so the the first is that agriculture cannot be a poverty trap anymore. It has to be a pathway out of poverty. Uh, when you've got 80% of the population in, in Nicaragua, the second poorest country in the, in the Western Hemisphere, uh, in, in poverty, uh, and, and the majority of those people in the agriculture sector, you have to be looking at solutions where agriculture is that pathway to prosperity. So right. that really keeps me up at night. And I think you know, spices have a, have a tremendous potential to contribute to, to that solution. Um, and then the other one is that how can agriculture as a sector actually enhance the environment? Um, how, how can it be a positive force in reducing or mitigating uh, the causes of climate change? I mean, those things, uh, as we look at the, you know, the big challenges of our time, uh, poverty, people in poverty, uh, environmental decay, environmental destruction, uh, how can agriculture and, and agribusiness uh, and social okay. entrepreneurism really be a, a driving force to solve those or to contribute to solving those problems? So, you know, if th- those are the things that keep me up at night. Those are the things that, uh, you know, I'm really devoting, devoting the business to. It's unbelievable, man. I mean, it's literally unbelievable. Tell me real quick what, and I, I should have asked earlier and I didn't, but what, what's still Selva mean? Because it has right. a cool meaning. Right. People, people uh, tend to remember it, uh, but it, they don't know what it means. So uh, I, I appreciate the question. Uh the, you know, Docelva is a play on words. We, we created it. Uh, that, you know, Docel is a, is a scientific term that really it means the layers of shade in a forest canopy, Docel. And then Selva is, uh, is forest in Spanish. And then the Va, that is a part of Docelva, is vanilla, which is where we really got started. We got started in vanilla and turmeric. And so Docelva uh, is, is, is what we came up with, and, and, and we're sticking with it. I love it. I mean, I love the fact that, the, the, you know, even even your name has deep meaning. Not only does your work, but your name does as well, which is pretty darn cool. So let's get into a little bit. What are the products you work with? We talked a little bit about some of the spices, obviously, behind me. we got a little spice pool going on. But uh, can you kind of dive in? I mean, we talked a little bit about coffee and you brought up uh, vanilla. But tell us a little more about what it is you guys are doing. Right. In terms of our, our the products that we're you know, producing, processing and exporting uh, turmeric, ginger, Vanilla, lemongrass, and cardamom. At this point, uh, we're you know we're we're looking at moringa. We're we're looking at some other crops as well. But these are our anchor crops, and and with turmeric, you know, all of it's organic. And and with turmeric in general, it, there's something uh, that we've discovered as we've gotten into this that uh, turmeric has this higher medicinal content. So it has higher uh, curcumin content uh, compared to the industry average of uh, seven to seven, seven to ten percent, where mm-hmm. the industry average is really at one to three percent. And so. Um, it's been it's been exciting to see that uh, that turmeric, which is you know not native to Nicaragua, has you know really interacted well with the soils and is 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 providing a pretty potent uh, product uh, from Nicaragua in in in, in turmeric. And you know just given um, 
all the benefits of turmeric uh, and and how it's you know caught on so much in the food industry. It's it's exciting to be able to supply turmeric, um, and then ginger as well. You know, uh, ginger is a cousin to to turmeric. Right. Uh, you know, it has a lot of medicinal value. It's here to stay. There's there's been some really interesting market segments uh, for organic turmeric that we're looking at. Uh, so that's that that's been another one. That's about half of our business. Vanilla is another one. You know, I, most people don't uh, know this, but vanilla is grown. Is you can find wild vanilla in the forests of Central America and Mexico. Uh, people people often associate the the origin of vanilla to Mexico, but uh, they're in old growth forests of, of of Nicaragua, you can find vanilla. And so, but there's very oh. little commercial production. Yeah, so it's it, our our story is sort of bringing vanilla back to Nicaragua and commercially uh, producing it and telling that origin story. It's interesting. Um, and then with uh, and then lemongrass and cardamom as well. You know, car cardamom is is one that uh, our, our sister country here, Guatemala, is the highest, uh, largest exporter of cardamom in the world. And, uh, you know, there, there's there's a lot of demand out there for cardamom. And so, you know, we're, we're looking to, to provide a secondary origin to Guatemala with with cardamom as well. So you're really so you're bringing so, you know, you're bringing products in that aren't necessarily to your point native. So you're looking at these. So obviously, you've got to be you know, why are you choosing these, right? Is it climate resources that are there? I mean, obviously the terrain must be working. You've got a good water supply. Um, are you looking beyond these things for, for different items that make sense to, that don't necessarily grow natively there that you can bring in and work with? You know, I think, you know, you know why do we choose spices? I think, you know, starting with, with coffee uh, to say that, you know, our, our target sector are coffee farmers and they have been losing suitability in their to in coffee uh, due to climate change, due to a number of factors. Uh, and then also with lower prices. And so you've got these coffee farmers that are looking to diversify. Now in those agroecosystems where they're growing coffee, spices do quite well. And spices right. are high value. Um, they're, they're easier to grow organically. They do well in the shade. And so here in, in, in Nicaragua, there are uh, these, these kind of rustic agroforestry systems where coffee has been growing for, for you know, 100, 150 years. And so spices can oftentimes be intercropped in those systems. Uh, mm -hmm. They can, uh, they, they definitely can be grown, but they're a little bit more uh, resistant to climate change. They're, they're more resistant to, to drought, uh, for instance, than, than coffee is. And so uh, we're, we're, those are the reasons that we chose spices. We're open to uh, looking at other products into the future. I think, you know, with, with farmers, there is a, there's an interest in the short cycle crops, the annual cycle crops and perennial crops for right. cash flow and that they complement one another. And so that's a part of it too, is that in conversations with, uh, with both our suppliers and the market, we want to be achieving sort of uh, uh, an alignment or symmetry with these different products so that, um, so that it works for farmers and for the market. Well, you know, when you think about spices, and I think if you were to ask the average person, they would probably think, they don't probably think that spices come a lot of from Latin America, you would think probably Asia, um, India, you know, places like that, but it's a, it's a big business down there. Um, I want to lean back a little bit about the coffee farmers a little bit, because that's kind of what you were uplifting. You know, that's kind of part of that model that you're doing, you know, they're growing coffee. It's surprising, you know, coffee gets more popular, which it certainly has in the last however many years and the prices go down. That seems odd. Um, but they're growing beans they're growing corn. So you come in with this idea, you start doing these spices, you start doing, and you go talk, you know, knock on the door of this guy who's growing coffee. And, you know, how are you encouraging these guys to grow something different? Because I'm sure in their environment, they're as risk adverse as anybody to do, right. to do change. So that has to be kind of an uphill battle, but I mean, given where you're heading and what you're talking about and what you're trying to do, I mean, I, you know, the sellability's there, but you know, how have you encouraged them to do something different? Right, that's a great question. I mean, as you know, Todd, farmers are. I try. I try. I try to have a, a few good job ones. with that. That's Thank right. you, brother. That's right. Um, you know that 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 farmers are conservative. They they don't make decisions that um, that are going to be high risk. And so, what are we doing as a company to help them uh, to share that risk and help to mitigate right. that risk? And so, a few things that we do is that we're in, we're we're incentivizing farmers uh, with pre uh, pre financing with seed. Uh, so you know, bringing in some quality uh, genetic material. So, you know, and, and, and looking at model farms first. So farmers mm -hmm. are seeing success uh, with their neighbor or on our farm. Uh, that really that really makes a difference. We're providing technical support. So, you know, if you're starting with a new crop, there's not a lot of know-how. And sure, so it, 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 providing that on-farm on support. Also a market contract. 
we, we, we aren't uh, asking farmers to produce something that they're not going to be able to sell to us. And we, and we not only offer them a market contract, but we look, we, 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 we go through uh, a return on investment analysis with them so that they can look at their production costs and look at their overall margins in doing business with us. So that takes the guesswork out of it a little bit. And then finally, certifications. We're working uh, to you know, provide access to farmer uh, with, with farmers as certifications. And as you know, you know, if you're working in formal markets, it, more and more today, certifications are, are really a prerequisite to get, in, to get into formal markets, especially sure. for small farmers. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I want to talk about that a little bit. I like to get into to certification um, as well, because I know certification in Central America is a bit of a challenge. Uh, you know, you look and you hear some of the stories coming out of Peru and the way things are done. And, um, you know, it's it certainly can be an ongoing issue. So the cost of certification, let's just address that. I mean, because that's one of the big barriers of entry for a lot of guys is they just don't have the money to, to fork out to have that inspector come down. And do you have inspectors in country or are you having to bring somebody from out of the country, you know, to look, or can you explain a little bit about the certification process? Right. So we have inspectors in country that have their, their offices in, in country that, um, you know, of course are, are, um, are certified authorized to, to work on, on behalf of, uh, of USDA, the, 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 right. the national organic program, uh, as well as Europe. And so they, uh, they are here. That brings costs down a little bit. But uh, what happens is that it, uh, in, in a business like Dos Selva ends up covering the cost of certifications or incorporating that into our business model, right? Uh, and that is it, it, that sort of removes the barrier to access to farmers that otherwise would be there. And so that that makes a difference. Uh, I would say at this point in time, what, you know, it, as where we are in in Central America, costs are not. Um, prohibitive in the sense that 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 they're they're so high that it, it really makes a difference on the organic side now when you, when you bring in uh to you take into account other food safety certifications other types sure. of certifications and you bring them all together then that does create some uh some high costs that we you know we, we can talk about but i think organic uh alone at this point in time is you know the, the cost is is not really an issue for us we incorporate it into our business model and and we, and we bring farmers into our umbrella I love it. No, obviously you're trying to encourage these farmers to grow organically. Is you getting any resistance back? Are you getting, you know, that, that old, it's awfully risky. Are you getting any pushback? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, they expect an Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There, there is, uh, there is resistance. And I, and, and since selecting farmers, uh, the, the, the right farmers uh, from the beginning is really key to reducing our risk. Uh, because it only takes one farmer or two farmers who may tell you that they want to grow organically, but then they're making decisions that aren't organic. So that selection process is really key. And I think, but the first incentives that we think about uh, with farmers and we talk through with them is the consistent market access, the market niche. I mean, we're, we're able to you know, reduce our competitors by, by producing organically uh, certain uh, types of products that aren't grown organically uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a widespread way. And then there's always a price premium, um, you know, even if it's, uh, you know, even if it's a, 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 a small percentage, uh, there, there might be, you know, sometimes it's a smaller percentage, sometimes it's larger, but I think it's that market access, it's the price premium that are those first incentives. Um, but when I think about uh, the, the roadblocks, you know, and, and the selection, the farmers themselves, uh, we, we don't want to be necessarily choosing farmers that, that have been growing uh, with agrochemicals uh, most of their lives, where that's in their DNA. That's what they do. That's what they know how to do. Right. Uh, that to, to undo that is pretty difficult. Um, and so when you look at that three-year conversion period, that is a pretty, uh, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a roadblock to certification amongst those farmers. Uh, so it's undoing, uh, a, you know, a, a certain, um, yeah, certain things that have become habits for those farmers. Yeah, mine, yeah. You've got a mindset that's in place. That's right. That's right. And so we, you know, the, the lower hanging fruit for us in, in selecting farmers are farmers that have had some interaction, have some exposure or some experience with organics, uh, even though they may not be certified, or who simply just have not been using agrochemicals because they can't afford them. And so right. they've been they've been growing, you know, quote unquote, naturally uh, without the certification. And, and that's a that's a pretty uh, easy transition for us, because then we say, listen, this is a way to improve your yields by using organic inputs. It's not just leaving leaving it to, to, to nature alone, but really using organic inputs. Uh, 
and you know improving your yields and improving your 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 livelihoods with better prices and and, and better production. Right. Well, again, it's, it's got to be tough to you know convince them to to, to jump into the pool for the first time. Um, yeah. But as you've scaled now, because again, you're, you're now you're up to you know 500 different uh, folks that you're working with. As you scaled, has it become a little bit easier because of word of mouth, your track record, you know, because because you're providing a level of support that's not everybody's doing, right? I mean, it's it's certainly not a lot of what you see here, even in the states where people are working at that kind of a level to try to bring people alongside, because you're really educating people on how to be in business. Um, because I'm sure that a lot of these guys aren't running spreadsheets and I'm sure a lot of these guys aren't looking at their margin. They're not looking at things in this big, more strategic way. So has it become easier now that you've got some track record going and you're starting to see successes that people are like, oh, I, like almost are calling you now? Right. I mean, I think what happens in, in places uh, like Nicaragua is when farmers see their neighbors doing well, when they see them, uh, you know, uh, trucking out, you know, uh, hundreds of sacks of turmeric or ginger from their farm and, and getting a nice paycheck in return, they talk to those to their neighbors and want to also grow. And so, uh, yes, we do have farmers coming to us based on that success. And you also you almost have to temper uh, some of that enthusiasm so that we're not growing our supply too fast ahead of the market. We want to make, be making sure that those are growing in tandem, of course, uh, because you don't want to be frustrating farmers by if you can't, if you can't uh, uh, buy their product. So, so that, so yeah, I would say for sure. Once you have a bit of a of, of a of a case, once you've got a track record and, and the farmers are are successful, boy, you know, word of mouth that grows uh, that 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 helps to grow the supply chain like crazy. And you have to temper. Well, and and you're doing it the right way, right? You're doing you're bringing these people alongside the process, right? It, it's not, you know, I when you said what you said, it always reminds me of you know when you when when whatever the commodity is catches a really great market everybody plants 10 times as much the next year because they think they're going to do it twice, which is why they always say, you know, farmers make money every five years. And it's one of those things that to your point, you have to temper those expectations. You have to recognize what the market will bear and the expense of, of overburdening the market, what that really means financially. Um, because not everybody's going to eat turmeric or, you know, digest turmeric or take a turmeric pill, whatever it might be. And I, and I think that's a really valuable lesson for a lot of people to think about is is really understanding that ebb and flow of the marketplace and the drastic effect it can have on the farmer, right? Because if you're in the middleman and you're out here, you know, wherever you are selling whatever it is you're selling, you're detached, right? You, you know, the market's 12, you sell it for 12, you make your return back to the grower. And a lot of times we don't think what that's like all the way downstream. And when you look at the, the amount of money that gets spent in agriculture, it's like, what, for every dollar that a farmer gets, actually nine cents goes back to the farm. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you start to look at the math. So I, I think that's a really important um, avenue of approach that you guys are taking. Yeah. yeah. Talk a little bit about, you know, because this is a competitive market. Now, spices are an interesting deal because we go to the grocery store and we see spices in a little bit of a packet and they're branded, they're identifiable. But a lot of what you guys do from a spice standpoint goes out into big bulk and goes out into a lot of different formats. So how do you differentiate yourself out there? Because you truly have a message that granted it's organically grown and I'm not taking any away from that because that's the benchmark, right? The gold standard, that's what we've determined is the gold standard of food is being organically grown. Um, but so how do you differentiate yourself up, up, above and beyond just being organic? to your, to your uh, you know, versus your competition and, and as well as to your customers. Right. I mean, so, so the, you know, just to get in the door, you have to have quality and food safety, as you know, uh, there, there's no, there, there's no conversation that even takes place if you're not offering quality and food safety. So that's not necessarily a differentiator. It's more of a, it's sort of a, a, a common denominator. It's a baseline, mm -hmm. right? right. Um, but then beyond that, I think we are, offering some differentiation by offering spices in the Americas. Uh, I think, you know, there are a number of our customers have talked about the, an interest in diversifying their supplier base a little bit closer to home in the case of mm -hmm. the, our U.S. customers and, and wanting to, um, yeah, uh, wanting to have a, a supply chain that they can visit more easily, that kind of thing. I think that's a, that's a differentiator for us. And then I think, you know, on the regenerative agriculture side, there are, there are a few that are really doing agroforestry and organics together. And I think this is an area where we want to really make that make that part of our story and make it more visible. Uh, that you know, when, when people come and, and visit uh, our farm, the farms, the farmers that we're supporting, 
They're seeing right. farmers that are becoming prosperous, you know, the social impact side, and they're seeing these, these landscapes that are more forested, the farmers that are incorporating trees into the system. So, so you know, that's, that's a, a product story that I think differentiates us uh, in a way uh, that, that so far there's been some good uptake, you know, with certain companies, certain companies care about it, other companies don't. Uh, and that's, that's okay. You know, it's, uh, you know, we, we also are, are, are choosing customers and long-term relationships where there, there's that values alignment. Uh, and so I, I think that's a big part of it. Uh, and then on the, on the traceability side too, that's probably a final one where, uh, you know, there, there's, there's an, an increasing interest in these direct trade relationships. And so, you know, we can tell you exactly where the product's coming from. Uh, we can show you where that farmer is located. We can show you how many sacks that, uh, he or she is produced for, for a specific lot. And so, you know, that traceability story, I think also makes a difference for, for, for companies, you know, even if it's a B2B model, companies that really want to be knowing where, where their product's coming from, so. Well, and, and going back to the certification thing, I mean, you know, again, I don't think people recognize that there is a high level of fraud. There is opportunity down there for people to, to get away with things they shouldn't. You touched on it briefly. Um, and I think that that's something that you've got to be cognizant of if you're doing business is finding yourself a reputable company that not only touches you, you know, environmentally or socially, but also make sure that the interest of, of the grower and of their customer at the end is protected. And I think that's a, you know, some of the stories I hear coming out and some of the stuff is just frightening because there's, there's companies and you can get in the database and see that you have these companies that are talking that they're on, you know, hundreds of acres, they have no employees. Uh, which is very odd, right? It's, that's magic, <laughs> you know. And so, I think there's something to be said from to your, you know, when I think about differentiation, is the fact that you provide this level of security, you create a level of trust, you create an environment around your product that touches a lot of really important things, you know, regen ag, uh, agroforestry, these things that are making a positive difference in the planet. I think that's to me. Um, is something is if I was looking to pull a PO would be boxes I would be checking and checking really hard. Like how does this align with my, because I think we get to the point that a lot of times we're so into finding that super hot deal or that thing that's better, which I think is a negative cost of food, as opposed to putting in the energy and supporting organizations like what you do that uplift the conversation of food. So I commend you for that. I commend you for what you said. And obviously, you know, the food safety stuff goes without question. That's the world in which we now live in and will continue to live in even, even, even deeper. But I commend you for taking multiple steps to be better than just the certification can be or just being better than what, uh, you know, your, your box of vanilla can be or whatever the case may be, I, you know, which is why I wanted you to come on because I think you have a very, very powerful message. And I think that that not only what you're doing is important, but I think what you're saying is important for other people to hear and step back and look at their own businesses. Like, can I do better? And there's a benefit to doing better. So I wanted to drop that bomb on you and just say, thanks again, real quick. We got to get you down here to, to Nicaragua. Todd. I'm you're coming to come down. I promised. Right. I told you I'd come down. All so right. Tell a little bit. So people know, because we're, you know, we're on spices and people don't, you know, might, may not necessarily understand, even though it's a part of our daily life. What segment of the food industry are you selling into now? Where are you going? You know, you're a global company. But talk a little bit more about your reach and then, you know, those channels that you're in. Right. Uh, so uh, predictably, we're in the table spice industry. You know, we're, we're selling, selling to wholesalers that are then uh, you know, putting that into table spices to retailers. Uh, we're also in the beverage industry, working with uh, the tea industry, the juices, uh, looking at, you know, specifically uh, ginger and turmeric that are uh, considered superfoods that go into smoothies, that kind of thing. Sure. And then, and then the nutritional supplement industry. So, uh, as you, as you're, you know, with, with our, with our turmeric, we've got a pretty large, uh, customer segment in turmeric where they're putting that into capsules. Uh, they're, they're extracting the, the, the curcumin from the turmeric right. and right. people are taking that as nutritional supplements. So those are the three areas. And then we're starting to get in our with our fresh line, we're starting to get it into supermarkets. Uh, so fresh ginger, fresh turmeric, uh, going into to supermarkets and the, the perishables. And you're selling globally, right? That's not a, just not a back up here to the states. I mean, you're you're working in the EU and you know in different spots, correct? Right, right. So uh, you know, our prim primary uh, geographic segments are, are Europe and the US at this point. Yeah. Right. So, which is really cool. So, hey, folks over in Europe that are listening, who do and and are, check them out. They're worth doing. So, let's talk a little bit because spices are so, you know it's kind of a cool topic and and and. What are you hearing from your customers? You know, because you have such a great story. What are the things that are super important to your customers that I think that are uh, worth calling out? You know, is it is it 
the quality of the product obviously matters, but it's the social environmental, your traceability, all your ethical practices. I mean, I don't want to rank them because I think they're all equally as important, but what are you hearing back from people? Because you need, because, because I think what you're doing needs reinforcement, right? You're taking, you're, you're doing a lot of things above what a lot of people do. And sometimes that can be extremely encouraging, but it could also be discouraging. Like, oh, I'm doing all this and nobody gives a rip, right? I mean, we've all been through that. So tell me a little bit about what you're hearing back from people uh, to reinforce what you're working so hard to do. Right. I mean, I think what we hear in, you know, as a big chorus uh, from, from multiple customers is the, is food safety and quality. That's not a big surprise uh, to anyone. I think, uh, you know, as, as, as those criteria and those requirements become more and more stringent, that, uh, that is something that we're hearing time and again. Uh, also the environmental integrity. So I think, you know, when people want organic product, they, uh, they have sometimes gotten product that uh, isn't organic. Uh, you know, I hate to say it, but you know that that, that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't doesn't fit that. And there's you know there's there's been you know people have um, yeah had had some had some issues with that. And mm -hmm. so they want to make sure that you know beyond the certification that we're doing things that are ensuring the integrity of the organic product, right? And right. they want to know about that. They don't you know it's a, of course the the, the third party certification uh, is is necessary and a, and a requirement. But I think people are digging a little bit deeper uh, and sure. wanting to know more and, and, and to engage in a company that they know is going to be providing that integrity, organic integrity. And then on the third is, is traceability, for sure. I mean, uh, I think more and more people are, are looking for that uh, for that that story and uh, the traceability back to the product. If there are problems, uh, you know, where, where to where to um, help to resolve those problems uh, and, and, and where to celebrate when there's successes. So those are three, right. I, I think. Know, areas where we're hoping that there's going to be more uh, kind of interest and some some market signals are on uh, the social and environmental impact side of things. I think that the industry arguably is still you know getting its footing in, in that area and sort of knowing you know what are the things that we really should be tracking. What are as an industry where should we be going in social impact? Right. Is it important to be uh, to, to be measuring farmer incomes? Is it important to be uh, tracking? Forested landscapes. You know, we're not really getting market signals uh, about those things at this point in time. We get questions about it, uh, but you know, I, I think there, there's 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 a, a a commitment to a mission-driven business. But I think at this point in time, um, it, it's it's there's a level of ambig ambiguity that I think we're going to see changing over the next five years, where people are going to start to really start to track specific ind indicators, specific out outcomes, that kind of thing. Well, I think you're 100 right. You know, and and and. You, we can't, you know, you and I as individuals can't stop air pollution. We can stop a finite amount with what we can control, right? But we can't make these corporations, you know, we, we can come together, we can make rules and all this other stuff. I get that. But I mean, we can't stop these pollution. We can't stop some of this climate stuff um, if we don't start what we can control, which is, again, voting with our dollars, making, you know, making investment into a positive cost of food like you're doing. And I think that as people recognize they have the power to make individual changes with their own decisions, right? That'll that will slowly work to influence and change this planet. One of the ways of doing it is to put energy uh, and effort into better understanding that choice you get to make with your food. So I, I agree with you. I think the social and environmental mission um, and what you guys are doing, I'm yelling about it because I think it's super important. I think people need to start to recognize that there is an opportunity to start making positive changes globally every day in your life just by shopping differently, just by investing differently in what you do uh, with your dollars. And I think that's a really, really impactful statement that if we all lean into that, if the whole country leans into that, we can move this boat much quicker than we can by yelling at this country because it's doing this or calling your politician and see where that actually takes us. Because aren't we, you know, as a society, our pocketbooks are the most powerful thing that is there, right? It truly is. And I think yeah. we need to start to leverage that. So companies like yours that are beating that drum and, and holding yourselves accountable to making positive change are companies that we need to look at and we need to talk about, we need to celebrate and we need to uplift, which again is why I'm thrilled that you took time to hang out and, uh, and come on and, and chat with me. What are the challenges? You know, let, let, let's, because I think we need to address this. I mean, especially after what I just said, this question seems to make more sense too. But what are the challenges you're seeing right now for your business moving forward? This episode of Toddversations is brought to you by Viva Tierra. Viva Tierra, organic to the core. Connect with us at vivatierra.com. 
Maybe, maybe I'll mention a few. I mean, I think uh, yeah. I mentioned earlier about the the cost of certifications. I think you know alone organic is not as much of an issue. It's the the combination of the the costs of certifications related to food safety, environmental integrity. Uh, you know, we're 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 now um, in in four different environment and in four four different certification schemes. So those add up, and so wow. uh, so you know, there's no and, and we we end up assuming. Oh, a big, a big cost for that. You know, our place on the supply chain. You know, we're with our business model. We're we're covering those those certification costs, and that that certainly is a challenge moving forward. Is uh, you know, if you look at, at those costs, you know, are there ways to to better uh, you know spread those uh, costs uh, across the supply chain? Are there ways to reduce those costs? Are there ways to harmonize different certifications? That kind of thing. You know, that has been talked about a lot, but I would say that that continues to be a challenge. Um, Another one is, is, is climate change. I mean, I think, uh, you know, given uh, weather variability, uh, given the fact that there's just not the predictable rainy seasons uh, that there used to be, there's longer dry seasons in Central America than there used to be, that is going to be a challenge for farmers. And we're, we're gonna have to be clever uh, in, in adapting to a changing climate uh, without, without a doubt. And then, and then maybe a third is around um, migration. So how do we help farmers to, to stay in their communities? I mean, with, with youth, you know, youth uh, arguably are not attracted to agriculture in Central America because they consider it to be a poverty trap. And so what can we be doing to be uh, showing youth and being an example that, 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 that agriculture can be a, a pathway out of poverty and, and there's a good reason to, to, to stay in your community. Um, so I think, you know, my, what happens when there is, when there is migration, um, you know, those trusted suppliers uh, may not be as, as permanent in their communities. They may have to leave. And so, you know, part of, part of it for us is, is really creating uh, these more lasting relationships in the countryside so people don't have, don't have to migrate. Uh, you know, if I can just touch on what you just said, you know, second generation, third generation farmers are not existing anymore. People are getting off the farm. Right, the risk is not worth the you know worth the reward any longer. Um, you've got people that are finding other ways to to make income, and it's very scary when you think about the fact that we have this decline in a business model that this entire planet needs. Right, <laughs> we need farmers. We need food. I don't know. I read that in a book somewhere. Food's important, um, you know. And so it's it's got to be. Um, a challenge to change that, especially when you're coming from a from an environment that they don't see a lot of hope. They see this as, as somewhat of a dead end. And I think you've got to be putting a voice out there that's got to be uplifting to folks. And I hope that you are winning that uh, winning that challenge by getting people to recognize the opportunities actually can be there to make that difference. Yeah, for sure. Uh, no, well said. So, so let's get let's go positive, man. I want to go negative. We got dark right there and bummed me out. What's some of the major? Well, let's talk about the opportunities that are in front of you guys right now. I mean, you know, you've got a great model. You're talking all the right things. You're believing in the right things for the right reasons, which is always the way you win the day. Um, what are your opportunities you're seeing now? Right. I mean, I think that mission-driven businesses are the way of the future. I mean, I think the the, 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 the you know, we're having this conversation now, and and you know, in conversations that you're 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 uplifting. Uh, businesses that are mission driven. I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, one, one additional reason that we're seeing, you know, a, a signal that uh, mission driven businesses are the way of the future. And so there are um, market opportunities that are responding to that. And there are investment investors and investments that are responding to that. So I think there is this, uh, we're, we're coming into a, a wave of opportunity for mission-driven businesses, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's really encouraging. I mean, uh, when, when we're having uh you know, tough days uh, to, to see that, that the kind of uptake that we're getting from, from the market, from growers, from investors, uh, you know, really encourages us when, when we, you know, when we have tough days and, and we do have tough days. Uh, and, I, and I think the other thing is that, you know, with our model, we have an unusual model and the opportunity to be a first mover in the space. Uh, so, you know, innovation uh, like to do something unique. Uh, and, and I think to show the way to, you know, potentially show the way to, to others in the industry to be a bit of a to, to be a bit of an industry leader with this unique business model. So uh, not to say that we're the only we're the only game in town, definitely not. But um, but you know there there are I, I think we're doing some things that are unique and and we want to influence the industry. Uh, and I think there are there are opportunities to do that uh, with you know the you know even though down here in Nicaragua uh, the, the, you know the technology really gives us the opportunity 
um, to have a big, big microphone uh, to, to spread our messages if we can. So. Yeah, I, I think it's so great, man. I really do. I mean, I just, I, I, I love the whole vibe you guys give off. I love where you're heading and what you're doing. I hope, you know, people take time to, to dive in deeper and to uh, pick up the phone, send an email and, you know, continue to uplift this positivity that's happening and, and make a change. And let's pull these farmers out of poverty. Let's, let's lift these guys up. Let's keep food coming. Let's keep good food coming. Let's keep food that's purpose-driven um, because it's positive cost. We need to incur and we need to lean into it. I'm telling you, we cannot keep making our food supply cheap or we are going to continue to see the problems we're seeing today all over the place because it affects so very, very much. Um, we were chatting beforehand. We've had a couple of different back and forth and stuff. And, and you shared a story with me um, that probably people don't necessarily know about you. And I think to me, um, it's almost how a social entrepreneur puts his first foot in the pool in that space of trying to understand it. Can you share a little bit um, about your time you spent um, uh, down in Honduras when you were younger? I will, but I'll, I'll say as a bit of a preamble, Todd, that I, I thought about really competing with the avalanche story uh, by 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 telling by telling a st- uh, something else that happened to me that I'm not going to tell. But you know, getting, yeah, the getting, avalanche getting... story is pretty good. It's still out there. We've I know. Had some, we've had some good competition, though. Yeah, I have to yeah. admit, we've had some good competition. <laughs> I, I'm not going to try to compete with it today. I thought about telling the, the story of getting stuck in the middle of the Caribbean in a dugout canoe uh, when the when the outboard motor went out on us. But I, I'm not going to tell that one because I really like to, to tell about a story that was more impactful in my life. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, yeah, so when I was uh, when I was 19, I uh, as part of my study abroad program with Whitworth University, I uh, lived with the with the peasant family in the, the countryside of Honduras. So I basically was was dropped into the middle of the countryside. Um, I slept on a couple of wooden planks uh, for, for 30 days. I got two mail drops. Uh, I lived in a small house. I mean, this, uh, we're talking small, basically a room uh, with uh, a family of six. Uh, and and, they, and the, the assignment basically for the month was to live as they did. So uh, we, we did uh, weed whacking, we did uh, coffee picking, we cut bananas, uh, we, we, we cut sugar cane, I bathed in a river, I, I you know, used an outhouse. I mean, that, that's what I did on a daily basis. And that was pretty much what we were supposed to do out there. I mean, that was part of the learning experience. And um, yeah, it, it, it had a major influence on my life. I think uh, at this point in time, you know, it, it is one of the reasons why I'm here. Uh, it helped me to really resonate with the life of a smallholder farmer uh, because, right. uh, and, and, and it was just me out there. And, and that's, and I, and I was kind of forced to, 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 to deal with that. That was before the onset of cell phones and text messaging and, and this kind of thing. So it really was um, an ex- a direct experience with a smallholder f- uh, farmer family uh, living in poverty that I think- And 19 years old. Have. And 19, and 19 years old. You know, when you're a sponge, right? Right, um, exactly. Which yeah. is really, I mean, you know, talk about a ballsy move, you know, yeah. parachuting in like you did. And all of a sudden here I am. I mean, that had to be, did you know what you were getting into? Or did you have that first 24 hours of like, wow, what did I, where am I? What did I do? Yeah, absolutely. Did not know what I was getting into. You know, I showed up with a, with a, with a sleeping bag uh, and I didn't speak very good Spanish at that, at that time. And, uh, you know, I, I looked at them. They looked at me. Uh, they, 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 they kind of picked up my sleeping bag. That was the first time they'd ever seen something like that. They didn't know quite what to do with that. Um, and I took it a day at a time. Uh, but, you know, it turned in, into, you know, a, a a, a, a very influential experience with my vocation and also a spiritual experience. I would say, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a, a real lesson in the hospitality and the generosity of, of, of the poor. Uh, you know, I would go uh, in the afternoons after working in the fields, I would go from, um, from house to house and, and visit people. They would give me coffee and cookies. We just, we chatted up. Uh, and, you know, that was, that was, it was, it was a really incredible experience and I think hooked me uh, to, to working in Central America into the future. Uh, and, you know, here I am 25 years later, well, even more, uh, 28 years later. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's, you know, it's amazing. And I talk about this all the time. It's amazing the paths that we take in our lives. You know, we're on a path. Every day is a path. We don't necessarily know where our path is going and we don't know why we have a right turn or we have a left turn or maybe we have a fork in the road, which way do we pick? But for you to go down there and do that and now to be devoting literally your life to 
farmers and helping uplift and to change, to socially change, to make a better planet. I mean, it's it's pretty powerful statement about a person's path and following that path. Yeah, no, 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 thanks, Ty. Yeah, well said, sure. I think that's super cool. So, you know, look, it's your company, you as a person, especially to me, you're an inspiring person. Um, you know, especially coming back around telling the story where you started at 19 and, you know, how much it impacted you to where you're sitting here today doing what you're doing. We're 500 farms now being uplifted and changing. So who inspires you? I mean, we got, you know, everybody has to go to the trough to be fed. So who, who inspires you to get you fired up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, you know, when I think about uh, recent leaders like uh, Greta Thunberg, uh, somebody who, you know, who, who, who a, a young activist uh, from Sweden who really spoke up about climate change at a time when the world needed it. Uh, mm-hmm. She really inspired me. I was just, you know, reflecting about that and looking at some of my social media posts that I, I just felt really inspired by, by Greta and, and, and the role that she continues to play. Uh, just a, a young, a young girl who, who, who really has an articulate message about the climate um, and, 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 and with her, with her vision and with her activism has really made a difference. Um, I also met uh, Bill Moyers when I was, uh, when I was 22. And I, I really was impressed by Bill Moyers and, and just uh, how he spoke truth to power in a way that mm-hmm. was, was very disarming, uh, that was, you know, diplomatic, that was, it was, it was candid and frank, but was, 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 I think, diplomatic and, and articulate. I, I really, I really um, appreciated, um, you know, meeting him and then the life story of Bill Moyers. And then maybe maybe last one would be G- Jimmy Carter. Uh, you know, Jimmy Carter arguably had a tough time, had a tough go as a president, but uh, everything he did after he was president really spoke to his values uh, and humility as a person. Uh, so I, I, I'm really inspired by Jimmy Carter as well. But you can't look at his, you cannot look at his body of work post presidency and and not uplift him. I mean, what he's done building homes for people is phenomenal. Right. You know what the different things that he's involved in and, and using his platform to for good. I mean, he's he's been an amazing contribution to this country. There's no two ways and to the world. You know, yeah. two ways about that. Yeah, he's an he's an interesting cat. Yeah. I think that's just super cool, dude. All right. Let's have some fun. You ready? You ready to get on the hot seat? All right. OK. Yeah, I know this. is. I know you're you're as you're as nervous as all get out for this. You've already emailed me once. I'm like, ah, fuck, no, I ain't telling you nothing, man. You're going to walk right into this mess. All right, you ready to roll a little TLC trivia? You're playing for cash and prizes. All right, you better. No, I better be. I better yeah, be. It's play. my birthday. You ain't. Well, it is your birthday. You know what? Okay, so I will take. No, I'm not even going to take a question out for your birthday. No, you're getting all of them. <laughs> no, you're not playing for cash and prizes either. But you know what? I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll ask everybody at the end of the thing to sing you happy birthday. So everybody in the gym, in their cars, hiding from their boss at the office, they're all going to sing simultaneously around the globe. So how's that? I like that. Happy I like birthday. that. You know, we're on, we're in so many different countries now. It's going to be in a bunch of different languages. So I think that's a super positive thing awesome. too. So there, yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a, I'm literally, I am like Mr. Hallmark right now. I love it. <laughs> All right. If you could time travel, where would you go? Uh, Madagascar. Ooh, like just like on a Tuesday or just back in like when? Thousand year? When would you? I mean, is it just someplace you want to go, or is it just 20, 2012? When I spent some time there in twenty twelve and first learned about vanilla farming, uh-huh. uh, an incredible experience. Yeah, I would love to just go back and, and talk with those farmers and, and learn it all over again. I love it. That's a great answer. No dog or a cat? Which one? Dog. You know, there really is only uh, one right answer. Come on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, look, I get the hate mail. I've already got some of it because I've asked this question several times to people. I'm, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. So what's your, what's your hobby? What do you like to do? I mean, you know, you're so busy. I know when I, when, you know, I, you and I connect, it's, it's tough because you are so busy. So what's, what's something you like to go do? I run, I've been running since I was 15. Uh, it's a, it's a great stress, stress reliever. Uh, I do a lot of running. I've started swimming as well, which is actually good on my body at this stage of my life, but, uh, but, but running, yeah, it's a, it's liberating. I love it. Good for you. All right. So here's a, here's a good one. So you come back to the States every once in a while, right? Which you do. So what's your favorite food in the state? And then what's your favorite food down in Nicaragua? Yeah, in the States, even, yeah, it's in the States, but, you know, sushi. I mean, California's got some of the best sushi around. Uh, I have to say, I, I, I love it. Here in Nicaragua, I mean, I, this, this may sound simple, but um, 
Nicaraguans make rice and beans in a, in a, in a certain way that is really special. It's a staple, but it's, you know, it's something that I actually really enjoy eating, uh, you know, with the certain flavors that they're putting on it. Uh, you know, rice, rice and beans is, is yeah, just an, it's an excellent part of my kind of daily diet. Yeah. Rice and, rice and beans don't suck. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with them. That's a good answer. Let me ask you this one. How about quality of life versus quantity of life? Which is better? Quality. Quality. Yeah. yeah. I would I, I figured that was a no-brainer answer. I had a, I had a, that one kind of marked that you would answer that one anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? And you're and you're you are a shining example of that. Right. Because your quality of life is uplifting so many people. Your choices to to do something different. And out of the norm. I mean, let's be honest, it's a little bit out of the norm. It needs to become the norm. But, you know, you're, you're blazing a trail that um, comes with a lot of risk. And in the beginning, probably didn't show like it had a lot of rewards. And I think that that should be commended. Um, you know, you inspire me, which is why I wanted you to come on here, which is why, because I think that when I look at businesses today that are trying to make a difference, that can sit back and tell me that they are lifting growers out of poverty that they are making a change has now touched 500 farms um, by something as so simple as a spice that goes into your, your kitchen counter or into your cupboard um, that has this big of an impact that is doing things that are putting words into conversation like agroforestry, regeneration, decreasing poverty, um, you know, uplifting these different words we've been talking about. I find that to be extremely inspirational. So I know that I'm going to tell you thank you. I know that I have the ability for a lot of people that are listening to us right now to as well say thank you. Um, and don't let the fight, don't let the bad days discourage you from one hour of the good because that one hour of good will far outweigh one whole bad day. Trust me, because you are making a difference in this world. You're making a difference one day at a time and you're making a difference one person and one farm at a time. And I commend you for that. And I appreciate you driving positive costs into food. And I want people to bang that drum forever and don't stop. You got a platform here anytime you want it. I got your back. I, um, I, I, I appreciate that, Todd. Yeah. And, and, and it's in order to do what we're doing, we really need the partnerships to make that happen. For uh, sure. You know, and, and, and that's the beauty of, of the food industry is that it's all about partnerships mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and the and supply chains that we're on. We play, you know, one, I arguably a critical role in the supply chain. But these that the partnerships with with our customers, with our farmers, with people like you that are are are, are making what we're doing more visible. You know, these these are the things that are, are really critical to, to moving forward and having an impact. So you know, I, I I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. That's my pleasure. I got one final question for you though. I'm not letting right. you out of here with one final uh, okay. one. All right. If you could if you can only say one thing about the work you're doing to to, to change the lives and to impact the people of Nicaragua, what would you share? Yeah, one thing. I mean, I think the, you know, Dos Elva is, is all about product quality and food safety, but through a partnership with us, uh, you have the opportunity to, uh, to, to raise the incomes of farmers and to, to help create a healthy planet. And I think that's, that's uncommon. And I think that's, that's one of the reasons that we're, we're really uh, searching and finding partners uh, to, to, to make that happen because these are, these are worthwhile endeavors. And top that man, you win the day with that one. <laughs> I, I, I thank you Jefferson very much for being here. I, I thank the team at DeSalvo every day for coming to work and, and buckling up and making it happen. Um, you're a hell of a good guest. I'm glad you're my friend. I'm, I'm glad that I get to be a part of this in some weird minute way, but I, I I'm here to bang that drum for you, man. Don't stop. Yeah, no. Thanks so much, Todd. Thanks for the opportunity. And let's, let's do it again sometime and come, come down to Nicaragua. Done. Let's do one live. We'll do one from down there. Let's go out in the field. I'm going to go in the rainforest. Let's just get together. Let's get a group right. of folks together. Let's shoot the bull and talk about lifting up out of poverty and what it means and why it means it. I'm down. Don't have to Good. ask me twice. Great. We'll wait I appreciate for you. you, brother. I appreciate right. everybody out there listening and being a part of this. Uh, go inspire somebody today. If you got inspired by this, you, you got to pay it back, right? If you learn something, go teach something. That's what I think. Let's go. Thanks, Jefferson, very much. Again, I appreciate you being here, man. All right. Take care. Take care, everybody. Be good. Well, that was a ton of fun.
Jefferson's a good guy. He's doing some great things. I mean, can you imagine what it's like to wake up knowing that you're working to uplift 500 farmers out of poverty in Nicaragua? I can't, but I can a little better now that I've spent time with him. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, hey, thanks for listening. You know, check us out on social media, uh, TLC underscore Todd Versation, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. We're all over the place. Audio versions are available on every podcast site globally. Uh, video versions on our YouTube channel. Rate, love us, hate us, whatever. Subscribe. We want you. Got something to come on and share. Let me know. You guys are doing a great job of reaching out, and I appreciate that. We want to uplift these messages. These stories need to be told because they're making a positive impact in our world, and we need to help these guys along. So thanks for taking time to hang out with us. I really do appreciate it. Remember, go inspire somebody today. It's really important. Take care, everybody. Talk soon. Bye-bye.